Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 205 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about generously giving. Let's dive in. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about money. Now, it's interesting, again, it's one of those topics that a lot of people in the church just don't like to talk about. In fact, I am one of those. (laughs) But it's interesting how we handle money actually says a lot about our spiritual lives. Now, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, episode 203 and 204, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to those because they lay a foundation for this particular episode. What I want to talk about in this episode is this idea of generous giving And no, just from the beginning, I am not going to ask for your money, but I do want to talk about the fact that we as Christians are called to generously give to those around us. As you go back into the Old Testament, God established what was called the tithe. It came out of that great story of Abraham and Melchizedek, where Abraham gave a tenth of all that he had to Melchizedek. And it's interesting that when you look at this idea of a tithe, again, it's 10%. And the concept was that whatever I made, whether it be money, whether it be a harvest, whether it be flocks and herds, that I would literally give God 10% of that. But as you come into the New Testament, this idea of giving kind of goes to a whole nother level. In fact, that happens in so many areas. For example, rest. In the Old Testament, we were commanded to rest one day a week. And that's still a great principle. However, The idea is no longer that, okay, I have six days of the week where I can do what I want. All right, I'll give God one day a week. The New Testament reality is every day of the week is the Lord's. Every moment, everything I do should be done unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, there is still benefit and there's actually a richness in this idea of taking a Sabbath or a day of rest. However, every day should be a rest unto the Lord. Every day should be given with the focus and the mindset of Jesus. And the same thing is true about money. As you come into the New Testament, it's not that a tithe is bad. Hey, you should tithe. However, 
it's not like I have 90% of my income. All right, God, I'll give you 10%, but I'm going to do whatever I want with the 90. Rather, all of my money is the Lord's and I am called to steward it well on his behalf. Over the last couple of episodes, I've talked about Randy Alcorn's books on money. I actually think there's some of the best books on finances and budgeting and, and resources or just how to handle resources that have come across that are coming from a very biblical lens. And I love what Randy Alcorn says in terms of the tithe. He says that tithe is like the training wheels for giving. In other words, it's not the ceiling of, of like, what is the max we are to give? 10%. He said, that's actually the very bottom. It's the floor of what we should be giving. Tithing is actually to train us get us into a discipline of giving. And I understand if you have a lot of debt, if you're having financial problems, well, maybe you can't give a lot of money at this time. So start with a tithe. Start with something small and begin to build how much you can give. I love those old stories of people who, you know, would, uh, for example, like John Wesley or George Mueller, who could barely eke by in the beginning days. But as God began to bless their ministry, their incomes began to increase. But instead of increasing their standard of living, this is God. We now have more resource to give to those around us. So they continue to live at, at a smaller level of income. But they every time they got a raise, every time they got resource, they would just give it away. And I love that idea that as, as God moves, as God blesses, that really our hands should be open to money where the money can flow through. I recently came across this quote by John Wesley, which I think says it really well. He says, money never stays with me. It would burn me if it did. I throw it out of my hands as soon as possible, lest it should find its way into my heart. And while I do think there is wisdom in terms of budgeting and saving some money and and planning ahead for expenses, what John Wesley is really getting at is this idea that for so many of us, we like to hoard our money. We like to keep it all for ourselves rather than saying, God, what do you want to do with this resource? What do you want to do with the money that you've entrusted to me. Well, in his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, Randy Alcorn gives 11 New Testament guidelines for giving. And again, I would encourage you to read his books on money. In fact, this month, I'm giving away several copies of his book on managing God's money. And if you'd like to sign up and see if you can win one of those copies, all you have to do is just enter your email and it's randomly selected at the end of this month, which is coming up really, really quick. And there'll be information in the show notes or on the podcast description if you're interested in doing that. But in his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, he gives 11 guidelines for giving. And I'm, I'm not going to flesh them out in any measure of depth. I'd encourage you just to read them. It's in uh, chapter 13. But I, let me just give you a quick list of what Randy Alcorn says is that when you come in, into the New Testament and you look at this idea of giving, what does it look like as New Testament believers to make our money available to God. So what is giving supposed to look like in the New Testament? So here, here are his 11 things. Number one, give. <laughs> in other words, we should be giving. Number two, give generously. In other words, go bonkers with this idea of giving. Don't hoard, just extravagantly give. Number three, give regularly. In other words, give often. Number four, give deliberately. In other words, be purposeful. Number five, give voluntarily. That this should not be an arm twist in your life. In other words, there should be such a joy of giving that you're like, yes, I just want to do it. Number six, give sacrificially. In other words, go beyond the 10%. And it's interesting how many times in the New Testament 
someone is commended for going beyond what was expected and actually giving sacrificially. Number seven, give excellently. Second Corinthians 8, 7 says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. In other words, it's interesting that giving is like any other skill. It takes practice. If you're going to learn to play the trombone, you just can't whip it out and just start playing this great masterpiece tomorrow. It actually takes some time to learn. And the same thing's true about giving, that we need to learn this skill, this discipline called giving, and we should excel in it, according to Paul. Number eight, we are to give cheerfully, that this should be a joy in our life. Number nine, give worshipfully. In other words, this is truly unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Number 10, he says, give proportionately. Now, it's interesting as you kind of reason through his his thought process on this idea of give proportionately, it kind of ties into this idea of the tithe, but also giving sacrificially. In other words, in, in Acts chapter 11, verse 29, we're told that there's this impeding famine coming, and it says that the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. Well, it's also interesting that in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Paul makes this statement. He says, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So it sounds very much like a tithe. In other words, have a set amount of money or a a percentage that you're going to purposely give to kingdom work. But what's interesting is Randy Alcorn pulls out this idea that though tithe is proportional, in other words, if everyone gave 10%, everyone's giving the same percentage, but that doesn't actually mean it's equal in terms of the difficulty it is to give it. So in other words, let me give it a, let me give an illustration. If you only made $10,000 a year, it's actually far more difficult to give 10%, $1,000 than if you're making $80,000 and you had to give 8,000. In other words, it's just a lot harder to live on $10,000 a year than it is to live on $80,000 a year. And so even though both people are giving 10%, it's actually a greater difficulty and a greater sacrifice for the person making $10,000 a year. So Randy Alcorn says, well, consider what is left after the giving. In other words, one person who gives $25, you know, for the year may actually, that may actually be an incredible sacrifice. And yet someone may give $9 million, and that is a ton of money, (laughs) but that actually may not be much of a sacrifice in their life if they say make $10 million a year because they're living on a whole nother million dollars. So we could, we don't look at the amount. In other words, someone gives $25 and we're like, wow, great job. (laughs) But that actually may be a great sacrifice. It's, It's like that story where Jesus is looking into the temple And here's this widow who gives two pennies. And he says she's actually given more than these men who are putting in huge lumps of of money. So again, the idea is that we give proportionally, but it's not so much on a percentage as much as it is this idea of, hey, what if we all proportionally, sacrificially gave? And if you want to flesh that out some more, I would encourage you to read that section in his book. But listen to this quote by A.W. Tozier. I think this may sum it up rather well. A.W. Tozier, who's one of my all-time favorites, he said it this way in his book, The Incredible Christian. Tozier says, Before the judgment seat of Christ, my service will be judged not by how much I have done, 
but by how much I could have done. In God's sight, my giving is measured not by how much I have given, but by how much I could have given and how much I had left after I had made my gift. And that really goes to the heart of what Randy Alcorn was talking about. But what Tozier is saying is that when God measures what we've done and what we haven't done, really the judgment is how much could I have given? How much was I pulling aside for myself afterwards? How much was I hoarding for myself versus how much was I giving? And when I get to heaven, I do not want to stand before our Lord and for Jesus to say, Nathan, wow, there was so much more you could have given in terms of your time and in terms of your money, in terms of your whatever, that that my resource was being hoarded for myself rather than given for the purpose of the king and for the kingdom. And then lastly, Randy Alcorn says, number 11, that we are to give quietly. In other words, we're not to make this to be a big showy thing. We don't trumpet what we give. We're actually to give, yes, purposefully, but yet quietly so that nobody else knows what we're giving. Those are 11 great New Testament principles for this idea of giving. Now, just to kind of turn the topic just a little bit, you realize that spending money actually is not a problem. That, that as humans in our current culture, we need money to function. We got to pay our bills. We got to buy groceries, right? There are things that we need to do with money. So it's not the money. Again, money is not evil. It's neutral. It's what we do with that money. Let me give you just a couple quick ideas when it comes to spending money. Number one, get out of debt. It's interesting. The reason we should be getting out of debt as quick as possible is so that we can actually start giving beyond a tithe. It's not so that we can actually hoard. It's not so that we can start pampering ourselves. It's not so that we can just have more and increase our standard of living. Yeah, some of that may increase. I I get that. But the primary reason we should be out of debt is so that there's actually more resource, there's more space that we can actually give to kingdom work. I love what Romans 13.8 says. In fact, it's been such a conviction over a lot of my life. But Romans 13.8, Paul says, Oh, nothing to anyone except love for one another. And it's tied into this idea of money, that I shouldn't owe the people around me except with love. And if you need some help getting out of debt, I think Dave Ramsey has a great plan of the debt snowball to get out of debt quickly. In terms of budgeting and just understanding how to spend money, I really like YNAB. It's the letter Y-N-A-B. I really love their thought process and and their budgeting tools uh, online for for budgeting. I, I actually like theirs better than Ramsey's. But again, what if we would get out of debt, not just so that we can just have a free-for-all, what if we would purposely get out of debt so that we could give more to the world around us? Which kind of goes into the second idea of spending money, which is what are we investing in? Again, there are temporal things in the here and now that we have to spend money on, right? I, I have I have uh, groceries I got to pay for. I've got to I got housing, I've got car stuff, right? We, we have practical needs, but where are we actually putting the bulk of our money? Where, where are we spending the excess of our money? Is it merely in temporal things or is it in eternal things? You realize that possessions will not last for eternity. And yet one thing that will last for eternity is relationships with other believers. And if I'm going to put my money somewhere, if I have some excess money, well, what should I put that in? Well, I should put that into eternal things. For example, winning the lost, encouraging the brethren, building up the body of Christ, put that in relationships with other people, 
Those are the things that are going to last for eternity. John Wesley made this great quote. He said, I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. That's a great wisdom statement. My good friend, Eric Ludi often talks about money this way. He says, we should splurge on the sacred, skimp on the secular, and starve the profane. In other words, we should splurge on the things that are sacred, the things that God deems important, that, that, that we shouldn't just try to hold back money for the sake of the kingdom. We shouldn't hold back money for the sake of the gospel. We shouldn't hold back money. We should splurge on the things that are sacred. And yet we should be scamping on the secular. In other words, be frugal on things that are needed for everyday living and function. In other words, I don't need a brand, brand new this. I don't have to have the greatest of that. So what if we would splurge on the things of God, skimp on the things that I just need for daily living, but then the things that are actually contrary to the kingdom of God, I need to starve those things in my life. In other words, I should not be putting a ton of money or perhaps any money to that which is profane. And again, you're going to have to take all this before the Lord to figure out what this practically looks like in your life. But don't just see spending money as an evil. It's, it, money's not bad. Again, we're not aesthetics in that sense. But rather, what if we saw ourselves as stewards who are stewarding God's resources for his purpose and his plan? Is it okay to spend money on a hobby or on a vacation? I, I, I don't see any biblical reason why not to. However, again, it goes back to this idea that the more that I'm spending on myself, the less I have to give. So what if we would flip our thinking and say, God, I, I want to give as much money as possible while I'm here on this earth. I, I want to give to the work of the orphan and the widow and the destitute. I want to give toward putting Bibles in the hands of those who have no access to Bibles. I, I want to put money in the hands of people around the world to be one for Christ. I want to put my money in, in areas that actually proclaim the good news and stand for righteousness. In, in other words, I'm going to put my money in kingdom work in those ministries and those people who are doing kingdom work. Well, with all that being said, let me condense this whole thing into three quick ideas. Number one, giving should be a lifestyle. Giving is not just a one-time thing or some random thing. We should always be ready to give to those around us. Ephesians 4 verse 28 says, The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor or work, producing with his own hands what is good so that he will always have something to share with the one who has need. See, the New Testament idea is rather than just merely taking, I should be put in a position where I am laboring, I am working. Why? So I always have something to give the one who has need. That, that's my time. That's my energy. That's also my money, my resource. So as a Christian, can I see giving as a lifestyle and always be ready to meet the needs of those around me? And one quick side thought, if the only time I give is so that I can get a tax deductible receipt, you realize that is a bad motivation for giving. If you're in America, this has only been a short period of Christian history where someone has actually received something back from actually giving to some sort of a kingdom work. So just because someone is not a nonprofit, just because there may be a missionary that isn't set up through some organization where you can get a tax deductible receipt, just because someone may be helping the poor, the orphan, the widow, the destitute, and you feel led to give to them, well, well am, am, I, am I going to get a tax deductible receipt? That actually should not be the litmus test of whether we give to somebody. 
we should delight in giving them the resource, whether or not we get a tax deductible receipt. And again, all throughout Christian history, that has never been available. People just loved to give because they wanted to give to the work of the kingdom. So number one, giving should be a lifestyle. Number two, giving should be extravagant. God has given us all things that we need for life and for godliness. And he promises us several times, specifically Matthew chapter six, that he will provide for our needs. So rather hoarding resource, rather than just merely taking money and and keeping it for ourselves, what if we would say, Lord, I want to sacrificially, extravagantly give to you and those who are doing your kingdom work. And number three, remember that giving is a picture of your heart. Luke chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we were to look at how you spend money, you realize it shows a picture of your heart. It shows what is most important in your life. And maybe as a flip, you realize that if you're wanting to increase a heart or a love for certain things of God, we'll start putting your money there. In other words, if you have a burden for missions, and in other words, you're like, God, I, I need a burden for missions. What I want a love for those who are doing missionary work around the world. Well, one easy way to do, do that is start giving toward missions. And what you'll find is that God inflames your heart with a love for missions. Hey, if you want a greater love for the orphan, the widow, the destitute, well, then sponsor a child or start giving to some of these ministries who work in that arena. If you want to propagate the gospel and you want to declare forth truth, yes, you need to be declaring it with your lips, but start putting your money into those kind of projects. And what you'll find is that you start, you're attuned to it. You're, you're aware of that. You, you hear something in the news and you're more, you're, you're, you're listening differently because your money is going in that direction. So it is true where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. But the corollary corollary of that whole thing is if you want your heart to be somewhere, start putting your money in that direction. Again, there is so much in scripture about this idea of money. But what I really want to emphasize, I think as it just practically applies to us in our modern day, is what would it look like if you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, were known as givers, not just people who maybe just somehow gave a little bit of money, but we would generously give to God, to his kingdom work, and to those who are in need. Well, I would encourage you to go spend some time with Jesus and freshly consecrate, surrender, throw your resource, your income, your money, your time at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, how do you want to use this for your kingdom? Lord, we don't have much time left on planet earth. Even if you give me 70, 80, hundred years, that's not a lot of time. So Lord, how do you want to use this life? How do you want to use my energy? How do you want to use my time, my talent, my resource for your purpose and for your plan? And would you begin to steward God's money well? Would, would you not only spend, but would you also give for the glory of Jesus Christ? Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of those 11 things from Randy Elkhorn, as well as other links and resources on this topic, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 205 
for episode 205. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.